Good morning and welcome to Experience Life Church Service from our home right here in Dallas, Texas. I'm so glad that you have joined in with us today. I'd like to welcome you and I pray that you know you, you will open your heart and your mind and really stay tuned for the entire ministry time because as always anytime I go to minister I've spent time with God asking him to give me the anointing to minister to you give me the words of wisdom to speak and to be open to hear his voice during the ministry time so that I can minister effectively to the needs that you may have also I want to see you grow stronger and take something from the message something from this time together that will help you and encourage you and you would encourage others. Well, once again, I want to say welcome and I pray blessings will be upon your life. Now, let me just take a moment here and tell you why I'm broadcasting here from our home. Now, uh, if this is your first time to view, uh, the reason why we're doing this from my home instead of our ministry center uh, back in February, the first part of February, we had a, a freeze here, cold weather that Texas had never had. And it caused so many power outages throughout the state. And for days we didn't have power in our ministry center where the pipes froze and then when the water came back on, obviously they had broken and it caused water to be all over. Unfortunately, we don't own the building. If we owned the building and we were in control, um, we could have already had it repaired and been back in. But I want you to pray for the gentleman that owns this building. I want to be kind and I want to speak with the love of God and not let my emotions cause me to say something. But this gentleman could have already had this repaired. We could have already been back in over a month ago. But because of his choices and decisions, he's hurting our ministry. He's hurting our church. He's hurting our congregation. And he's got other things on his mind other than us getting back into the building. Now here's the, here's the thing that I want you to understand. We're still having to pay our lease payment the same. We're having to pay our utilities ever the same. Somebody said, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, we're in a contract and he has 180 days to get it repaired. And he's taking his time to do what he wants to do for his benefit, not for the benefit of our ministry. So I, I, I want to be kind, but I want you to understand this has put so much pressure on us and our congregation and it has cost us thousands of dollars of being out of the building and our offerings are not the same. And we had to, uh, because of the damage and what's going on, we had to move all of our stuff out of the ministry center, uh, two big truckloads of furniture, huge truckloads of furniture, and, and all of our TV equipment and sound equipment, and it goes on and on, children's ministry equipment. We had all had to move it out through these vans, this moving company, and put it in storage, which cost thousands of dollars. Now, it's when we finally get it repaired, whenever that is, he won't give us a date, he won't give us a schedule, he won't do anything that's helpful, only 
what's helpful to him. So pray for me that I will continue to keep the right attitude, do the right thing. And we have now counseled with legal people because uh, we, we, we want to do the right thing. So you pray for us that God will open the windows of heaven and everything that Satan has stolen from us everything that Satan has stolen from us in this ministry, that it's going to be brought back more than seven times over and over again. God's going to supply the need and bring new people in, new people to watch us on our ministry time. And we're expecting, we're expecting everything that Satan meant for our harm to be turned around for our good and the same thing for you. Let's pray and ask God's blessings here on the message today. Father, as I come to you today, I thank you for your presence, for your anointing, for your goodness. And I ask, Lord, that you will let your anointing flow through me. You will give me wisdom. You will give me words of life. Let the Spirit flow, and if you want me to just stop and minister and pray for people, I want to know your divine order for this uh, ministry time today in this service. And I pray, God, that David Carpenter is anointed to, to play the music and minister, God, through the music as I minister the Word. Open the hearts of everyone. Open their minds, God, to receive the anointing and the glory of God from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Now today I want to teach you some things from God's Word. And I want to teach you about living in the rich life or living in the rich blessings of God or living a rich life. Now when we talk about the word rich or mention the word rich, uh, you know, most of the time people think of money. Well, you know, I understand that, but you can be rich and not have a lot of money. See, money is good to have, but money doesn't necessarily give you a rich life. There's, there's a difference in being rich and having money, and I'll explain that. See, living a rich life, again, is more than having money. And having money is not a bad thing. It's a very good thing as long as money doesn't have you. Now I want to say that again. Money is good to have, but it's not good if money has you. So this is, I, I'm not going to be just talking about money. I'm going to be talking about the richness and the goodness of God. But, you know, I'm just using the term here that when we use the word rich, sometimes we confuse it with money. If money has you, you're in trouble because you're putting money before you uh, put God first in your life. And one of the greatest things I, in the world is to put God first in, in your life. You know, a rich person without God is just a poor person with money. I want to say that again. A rich person or a person, um, well, I'll say it again. A rich person without God is just a poor person with money. See, there is a lot of difference. Who uh, there's a lot of different people who have money, but they're really not rich. Why are they not rich? Because they got bad attitudes. They got envy. They got strife. They're sick. They're diseased. Uh, maybe one divorce right after another, and just it just goes on and on and on. See, money may give you power. 
but being rich is living in the blessings of the Lord. If you want to be rich, Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. So really, you're going to have all the money in the world. I know we have these people that's doing all this bad things to our country. They got lots of money, billions of dollars, and they're, they're trying to take away our freedom. You may not believe that, but folks, if, if we don't pray and we don't get in the richness of God, uh, if we don't believe God, this present people that's in control with money and power are tearing our nation apart. They're against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. The reason I'm preaching this message is I want you to know that God is your source and no matter what they do to us, God will not help us to survive, but He will cause us to thrive in the midst of all the things that's going on. See, money's a good thing to have. It can buy you many things you need and you want. It can even give you money, and this should be first, to give to God, but it can help you meet all of your needs and, and the things that you desire. But it's better to have what money can buy. It's better to have what money can't buy, I should say, than to have what money can do. I want to say it again. It's better to have what money can't buy. Money can't buy you health. Money can't buy you peace. Money can't buy you or take you out of strife and hate and all of these kind of things. So I want the goodness of God, which is better than money. And then God says in Philippians 4.19, I will supply all of your needs. It didn't say, I will supply just your health needs. He didn't say, I'll just supply your, your emotional needs. No, he said, I'll supply all of your needs, not according to the riches of this world, but according to my riches in glory. See, to live a rich life in Christ, I want to say this to you. You will give to God. The first place, the, the first place in your heart, I want to say it again, to live a rich life in Christ, you will give to God the first place in your heart. In other words, your heart, when you wake up in the morning, instead of being thinking about all you have to do, the first thing you're going to want to do is give God love, give God glory, give God praise. The first part, of, you'll give Him the first part of your day. You'll give Him the first part of your week. The first priority of your decisions that you have to make. Putting God first in our life is the beginning putting God first in our life is the beginning of living a rich life now Proverbs 10 22 coming from the message Bible think of this it says God's blessings God's blessing makes life rich God's blessing makes life rich and it says nothing we can improve on God. Oh, that just blesses me when I think about that. It says, God's blessing makes life rich. Nothing we can do to improve on God. See, God's blessings makes life rich. See, that's where, I, when I was reading this, that's where my title came from when I was beginning to read this in the Message Bible. God's blessing makes life rich. 
my wife and I were living in the, in the rich life. Now that doesn't mean we don't have problems. That doesn't mean we, we, we don't go through things. But we're living with God's blessings flowing through us. And every time a storm comes, every time just like being out of our building. Say, I, I could have, at my age, I could have retired and just said, this is just too much, I want to give it up. But you know what? This has just stirred me up. This has just stirred me up. I'm going to win this fight. We're going to come out stronger. We're going to come out better because I'm living in the richness of God. I'm living in the richness of God. And so there's nothing we can do to improve on God, but God can help us to improve our life. And then Proverbs 11 and 24 and 25, again coming from the Message Bible, it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Ooh, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. My goodness, the Bible says, blessings from God is what makes you rich. And there's nothing that you can do to improve on God. See, the world of the generous, the world, not just the people, but the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Oh, I'm so grateful for God's riches. Because, you know, as I've grown in the Lord, not just in age, but as I've grown in, in the Lord, my world has gotten larger and larger. You know, when I was just a kid, I used to pray, God, send me to the world. Send me to the world. Nobody knew me in the world. I've barely been out of the city. I've been to a few places, but not very much. But you know what? God saw my heart. God saw my heart and I started living in the wretchedness of His blessing. And then He began to connect me with people. Supernaturally, God began to connect me with people. You know, somebody asked me recently, says, well, what, what's the secret? What's the secret of, of, of success? And I said, knowing God first, letting Him be first in your life, and developing godly relationships. See, one person told me one time, they said, oh, I love teaching people the Word, but I don't want nothing to do with people. That confused me. How could you, how could you love teaching God's Word, but yet, yet you don't want anything to do with people? people. Oh, do I get hurt? Do people do me wrong? All the time. Just like our, 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 the man that owns our building. Look what he's, he's doing is wrong. But it doesn't stop my love for God. My love for God has this man, what he's done to us, has not interfered whatsoever with our love and my love for God. So, my world begin to get larger and larger and God begin to open the doors in countries that I never dreamed that I would ever go to. And you know, I never went as a tourist. I always went as a minister of the gospel. And we've been in places, my goodness, we've taken helicopters and we've flown into uh, little villages and places where Caucasians have never been. And some of the things that we've experienced and seen through the ministry has just been spectacular of changing people's lives. One little village we flew into, maybe they, they had a hundred people that lived there. They had no running water. They had no electricity. They had nothing. Dirt floors, little bitty houses. 
You know, God just let me preach that day and everyone in that village gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. That's rich, folks. That's being rich. Having the joy of the Lord and bringing the life of God to others. And so, again, when it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger, God will enlarge your capacity to receive. God will enlarge your thinking. God will enlarge uh, your relationships. And God will make a way where there is no way. And so I want my remaining time here on the earth. I want it to continue to get larger and larger. You know, I'm 78. I say that ever now and then, and I'm not ashamed of my age. But I, I just believe that at 78 and 79 or however long it is Jesus lets me live before he comes, I believe the ministry is going to grow larger and larger. Not I'm talking about our ministry staff and all of that. I'm talking about it's going to reach to the lands where I've never been. It's going to go to people that's never heard the gospel. So I'm believing for our ministry to get larger and larger. I'm not retiring. I was called into the ministry, so how do I get called out of the ministry? Now I'm not saying anything wrong. It's not wrong for ministers to retire, but I'm just saying I'm not retiring. I'm called into the ministry, so I'm in the ministry to help others. And I want you, I want you to become richer and richer in the blessings of God. Now see, if you live from selfishness, unforgiveness, hate, strife, offense, jealousy, fear, pride, worry, confusion, always blaming others for what goes wrong in your life, unhappy and always having a negative viewpoint on life, you know you're not living the rich life that God has for you. Once again, let me just repeat, my wife and I and my family, we live in the richness of God all every day. There is something that Satan tries to do to, to get us to focus on something other than his blessing, than his riches. But his, his riches live inside of you if you're born in child of God. So we need to bring that living, that, that rich life from our recreated spirit. In your spirit, that's where life is. That's where God's life is. So we want it to flow through our emotions, through our thinking, our deeds and our actions. Living uh, a rich life is freedom from selfishness, stinginess. I want to say that again. Living a rich life in Jesus Christ gives you freedom from selfishness, stinginess. Living without fear and condemnation. Having a good heart. A lover of yourself and when you love yourself through Jesus Christ because you're living His life, you love others and you want to be helpful in helping others. See, you will be an example of God's goodness and you'll always be shining the light of hope no matter where you are or whatever happens to you. And you know what? You can keep a smile on your face in the midst of the darkest trial of your life. Because the smile is not just out here, but the smile comes from within. Now, it's, it's easy to fake smile. It's easy to act like everything's okay. But you know what? You don't have to live a life of, of 
fear and uh, you know putting on a fake life you can live the rich life through Jesus Christ now, I want to read again a scripture that I've read for several weeks because I need to take some things from this to finish this message today in 1st Timothy 6 17 through 19 and it says command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant not to put their hope in their wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment see one day we're going to be going to be with Jesus one day we're going to hear that trumpet sound Jesus is going to split those eastern skies the dead in Christ will rise first and we that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air what a joyous day I'm looking forward to that day but he said I can give you enjoyment here I can give you peace here I can give you love here and then he said in verse 18 command though command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous oh my there's that again be generous and willing to share in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age see I'm laying a foundation you're laying a foundation for the coming age for the time to be because we're going to be generous in our life we're going to be willing to be generous we're going to be generous and again I'm not just talking about money I'm talking about being generous with our love our hope our life helping others he said uh, in this way they will live, lay up treasures from themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. In other words, you take hold of those blessings from God and they flow through you. And you don't only use those blessings to bless you and your four and no more, but you use those blessings to bless others. See, the, Spirit says, the Scripture says, don't be arrogant but put your trust in things. Don't put your trust in things that's uncertain, but put your trust and your hope in God. Where's your trust today? Is it in your bank account? Is it your job? Or is it your social security check? Where, where, where is your trust today? Is your trust in God? See, when you're generous, you're laying up treasures that you may live a rich life now under the blessings of God and then be taken away to the richer and richer and richer life see every good thing comes from God it comes from every good thing that comes from our lives is because we're living from the love of God's riches every time we do good it's coming from the goodness of God see your talents your gifts your treasures, your calling, your work will be the results of God's blessings on your life. And you'll only use them to glorify God and be an encouragement to others. Your talents will be a gift to others, not put you above others. I want to say that again. Your gifts, your talents, and your calling doesn't put you above others, but it gives you something to give to others. So whatever your talents are, whether they're to preach or to serve or 
you know, to, to be a giver, to be an exhorter, whatever they are. God didn't give them to you to exalt you. He gave them to you to bless others. That's why I'm here today, is to be a blessing to you. You know, Isaiah 32, in verse 8 from the New Living Translation says this, Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Did you get what that says? It says, generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Oh my goodness, I could stay here for a long time in this verse. See, what or how are you planning to be generous? What are you thinking about? How are you planning to be generous? I really do. I, 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 I pray and I ask God, give me the wisdom. Show me how to stand in generosity and help me to plan to be generous. generous. You know, yesterday I was in a restaurant and I saw two gentlemen sitting at a table and I have no idea who they are. But the Spirit of the Lord just said, pick up their tab. Well, I, I, I thought for a minute, I don't know these gentlemen. And so I, I called the server over and I said, uh, I want you to bring me the tab of these two people. I don't know them, still don't know them, didn't speak, didn't talk to them or nothing, you know. And so after I, after I um, told the, the server to bring me their check, I heard this gentleman say to every one of the services, come to, oh, would you stop? And he would witness to him about Jesus. And several that came by, he, he stopped them. And, and he, one, he said, do you have pain in your knee? And, and he began to pray. And, and, and I, I just said, Lord, thank you. I don't know who these people are. I don't know anything about them. I paid their bill. I walked away. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I hope they didn't charge them again. But I paid their bill and I walked out. Well, you know what? It was just generosity. I didn't know they were Christians. I didn't know they was going to be praying for somebody. But you know what? God just put it in my heart to be generous. Now, I could have used that personally. I could have used it personally. But you know what? I just felt like, God, I want to bless somebody today. I plan. See, do you plan? Do you plan to stand in generosity? Do you plan to stay generous and think about how you can be a help to somebody? We choose what kind of spirit will flow through our life. You choose whether a spirit of kindness and love and joy and peace and generosity. See, a long time ago, when I was just a kid, I chose I'm going to live under the blessings of God and let those blessings flow through me. I love living with a generous heart. Really, being generous is not what you do. Being generous is not what you do. Being generous is who you are. I want to say that again. I know you heard me. But being generous is not what you do, but it's who you are. See, just when I saw these two gentlemen in the restaurant, I don't. I just kept looking at them, and then there's something inside of me just 
be generous. You see, I had asked the Lord yesterday, uh, uh, how can I be generous today? How can I show someone kindness today? And, you know, that's what happened. See, if you're a generous person, it's not hard to give love, to give kindness, to give money. But if you don't have a generous heart, then you live from a selfish heart. And then when you're living from a selfish heart, your thinking is, how can I get more? How can I get more? And we hold on to what we have, even though it may not be a lot. Or you may think that you, you may have a mindset and thinking of lack and poverty all the time. And when you do, you'll not be a giver <clears throat> because you have a poverty mindset. You know, God wants to break every yoke. God wants to destroy every yoke that's not like Him in your life. He wants you to live in the blessings of God. I say this sometimes, a life without love is like a sunless garden where all the flowers have died. I love flowers. I love beautiful flowers. I love the color. You know, uh, we got a place here in Dallas and called the Arboretum and it's downtown Dallas or just past downtown and they changed the flowers, they got trees, they got water flowing, they got everything and you walk in there and when I see all these flowers I don't just see color and beauty, I see God. Those flowers remind me of living the rich life. So let let yourself be the flower that blooms. You be the flower that blooms and you produce red and yellow and purple and lavender and all that. You begin to produce the aroma. You know some of the flowers you just, you know, a, a beautiful rose. You just love to smell the rose. Well, that's the way you should be. You should have an aroma that everywhere you go people will just start looking at you and saying, oh, what is it that person has? They have a rich life. They have a rich life. See, life without God's love is like a fruit tree that never bears fruit. What good is it if you have a peach tree or a pear tree or some kind of a fruit tree in your yard and it never bears fruit? Well, uh, living without God's love is like a fruit tree that never bears any fruit. Are you bearing good fruit? Are you bearing good fruit? You can't give what you don't have. If you don't know who and understand what God's love is, you can't really give. Oh, oh you may give something, and I say this, I, I can say, I say this sometimes. You can give without loving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And I want you to know that just giving sometimes is good. I like it when people give, but I don't like it to see people that'll give and then they hold on to it. See, if, if you give something away, it's no longer yours. It's the person you gave it to. When you give to God and whatever they do with it, it's not up to you. I've heard people say, well, if I'd known they were going to do this, I wouldn't have given it to them. Well, you didn't. You didn't. 
If you gave it, it's none of your business. Oh, we want people to do the right thing with money when we give it to them, or if we give them a car, or if we give them some clothes, or whatever. We want them to do good with it, but if they don't, really none of our business. Because if we give it, it's no longer ours. So if you've given something and people didn't do with it what they should, leave it be. Count it a seed and say, God, I gave out of my heart. I gave as given unto the Lord, so therefore I'm going to leave it be. And whatever that person does or doesn't do with what I give them, that's not up to me. I gave and you're my source. You know, a flower cannot blossom without light. A, a, a flower has to have light. Outside it has to have the sunshine. And a person cannot live a life of contentment without God's love. God's love to us is like light or sunshine to a flower. So if we have God's love, then we bloom. We bloom. We have beautiful aroma. God's love in you grows when you give that love to others. The love we give away is the only love we keep. The love you give away. So what if I give it away? I don't have it. Well, what happens is give and it shall be given. The Bible says whatever you sow, you reap. And we know I had some seeds I was going to show you this morning. But we put a seed in the ground. We put one seed in the ground. And you know what? It grows up. You know, last year. I, I put a seed in the ground, uh, a two, couple of seeds in the ground, and it was jalapeno peppers. I love jalapeno peppers. Well, you know what? The, I put those seeds into the ground, and those, those little, you know, the leaves broke through, and then they got a stem, and they grew up, and then all at once blooms started coming. And jalapenos was all over these plants. I had two of them, and they bloomed, and kept blooming and bearing uh, jalapenos way up into October and of last year. And my wife canned all kinds of jalapenos through two seeds. Two seeds brought hundreds and hundreds of jalapeno peppers. So think about that. When you give to someone, when you give your love away, it's coming back to you multiplied again and again and again. Are you generous with sharing your faith with others and stepping in to help them when you see them have a need? Do you pray with them? Do you stand with them? Do you encourage them? And this is a big one. When somebody does you wrong, when somebody does you wrong, are you generous with your forgiveness? Woo! Wow. I'm going to just stop here for a minute. David, just, just minister in the Spirit right now. Because God's talking to somebody right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you generous? with your forgiveness. Oh, I just can't, I can't move till the Holy Spirit has not released me to move from this because somebody right now, you're locked 
in unforgiveness because of what someone's done to you. Jesus said on the cross, forgive them Lord for they don't know what they do. That's what Stephen said when they were stoning him. He said, Lord, forgive them. I'm not going to get into teaching on forgiveness, but see, the rich life, the, the rich life of Jesus Christ is a life that has the ability to forgive when you've been done wrong. You know, I think about, um, I think about, I think about Joyce Meyer a lot. I know her personally and we've been friends now for about 40 years and I actually knew her before she was really involved in ministry and the Lord used me in the early days of her ministry to be a light, encouragement and help to her. We're still great friends today and uh, I serve on her board. I don't say that to uh, say anything special other than God's given us a wonderful relationship. Her husband and my wife, we've been in relationship for over 40 years. We've vacationed together. We've preached together in many parts of the world. Uh, but Joyce came to the place she could be generous with her forgiveness after her father had abused her for many years. Now, I want to say this again. I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit is having me to bring this up. Joyce at first, after she was preaching in the ministry, she held on to that bitterness. She held on to that hate for her father and what he had done to her. But one day the richness of God began to overshadow her as she began to let the bitterness go. She began to let the bitterness go and now there's been thousands and most likely millions of, of men and women that's been healed of unforgiveness because they've been abused and hurt by other people through Joyce Meyer's ministry. So one day when she began to ask God to take the pain away, the pain went away when she began to forgive. So when you're rich in the blessings of God, you can let forgiveness flow through you. Now when I think of Joyce and Dave Meyer, you know what I think of? I think of hope. I think of hope. Because here she was in darkness. She was abused. She was hurt. She was beat down. She had no self-worth, no self-image. But one day, that rich light began to overtake her. And as that rich light began to overtake her, all that evil that she held inside I mean, I don't know what it's like to go in through that. So I'm not bashing her for, for her, what she had. I'm saying that she learned to take the richness of God and push the, the evil out. So now when I think of Dave and Joyce Meyer, I mean, Dave's the husband, of course, and he does a lot of things that people don't know in ministry. He's, he was the backbone of her ministry in many ways. And God put them together, and he was part of her healing. But when I think of them, I think of hope. I think of hope because she's generous. You, you may not feel the same as I do and that's okay. That's your business. But I happen to know them. As I said, I've been privileged to vacation with them. She's lived in our home, stayed in our home many times. Many times she stayed in her home. We've stayed in her home many times. 
So I know her life. I know his life. And they bring hope and life to people. She's one of the most recognized people. She's one of the most recognized people in the world right now. Think about that. See, here she was a nobody. But God made her a somebody and didn't ask anybody what he could do. He just promoted her because she began to live from the richness of God, from the blessings of God. And God made her rich in his goodness and she forgave. And you know, she's now published over 120 books, over 120 books. And she's so generous and she's helped us in overseas meetings. I, oh yeah, she's, she's financially helped us finance those and help me finance other things and give me literally, literally thousands and thousands and thousands of books to give away in third world countries. That's right. So when you talk to me and I think of her, I think of generosity, I think of hope. Oh, I'd like, I'd like for people not to think of me of anything but, you know, a, a generous person, a kind person, a loving person. Oh, I stand my ground. Yeah, I stand my ground. And, and because I'm generous, I've had people to manip manipulate me. And, and, and I've had others try to manipulate me. And sometimes I've said yes and given. And, and it was my emotions telling me to give. It wasn't the Spirit of the Lord. And then I've had people to, uh, as I said, try to manipulate me. But you know what? I can also say no. See, a generous person knows when and how to say no. And sometimes I say no when people are trying to get me to give. And I give because I'm generous, not because someone's trying to get me to give. And when I give, I give as unto the Lord. See, li living a rich life is one that is of hope, love, generous, with giving encouragement, generous with our times, generous with giving attention to someone else that you care about or maybe you've just met. You know, I'm amazed at how this thing has become such an attraction to our life. Did you know people will come into a room, family members, they'll come into a room and they're gathering together and they spend more time on this than they do with each other. Put this down. Oh, I'm guilty sometimes of looking at it probably too much. But you know what? I've learned that this thing is not going to control me. So if you're in a room and all you're doing is looking through your phone, going through your phone, seeing what people are saying, what people are doing. What about the people that surround you? Put it down. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your words of kindness. Be generous with your love. Now, I, I'm going to go somewhere and stay with me now. One of the areas where people struggle the most is being generous with their money. This seems to be the hardest for some people. They'll do other things except give money. And you don't have to have much to be a giver. You don't have to have much to be a giver. See, the Bible says where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So if your heart is in your treasure, 
If your heart is in your treasure, you'll not be generous. But if your heart is in Jesus, Jesus is a giver. God is a giver. So you will be generous. So if your heart is in your treasure, you'll not be generous. And why is money difficult for a lot of people? Let me tell you why. 1 Timothy 6 and 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Wow. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's what greediness and selfishness will do to you. It pierces you with many sorrows. See, it doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money can affect anyone, rich or poor. You don't have to have money for it to be infected with the love of money. See, it's like a virus. It can get into you. It can get into your life and it brings evil into your life. When you have the love of money, the Bible said it's the root of all kinds of evil. And when that evil gets into you, it's a root and it grows deeper and deeper. A love, the love of money along with bitterness has a root. And if we don't dig that root out, those roots grow into all kinds of areas. The Bible says, speaks of two negative things that has roots. And one of them is the love of money and the other is bitterness. Hebrews 12 and 15, the Living Bible says this. It says, look after each other so that no one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Look after one another so that none of you will fail to find God's blessings. God's blessings. God's blessings is greater than any money or any possession you may own. I'm so grateful for God blessing us. Now let me read it again. Hebrews 12 and 15. I didn't read the entire scripture. It says, Look after each other so that you that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual life. See, here, God's bringing me back a few minutes ago when I stopped and was talking about forgiveness. See, if that root of bitterness grows in you, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you, for if, as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Many people have a root of bitterness on the inside of them and because they have a root of bitterness on the inside of them, it's hurting their spiritual life. It's hurting their life everywhere. They're not living a rich life. If bitterness takes root in you, it'll cause you trouble. You'll hurt others. And if the love of money is the root of all evil, then the love of giving is good because it will help you if you can just learn to start giving through the love of God, it'll get rid of the evil in your life.
What is the opposite of evil? It's good. It's good. See, and what do we need? We need a life of less evil, less anger, less temper tantrums. We need a life of generosity. We need a life of peace. You say, you make it sound so good. Well, it is. It is when you learn to live in the richness of God. You still have all this turmoil going on around you, but you don't live in the turmoil, you live in the riches. Oh, I, I tell you, just like I, I keep mentioning the gentleman that's doing us so wrong. Here I am preaching to you about the love of Jesus and the blessings of God, even though we can't worship, even though we're having to pay money that we, we really don't have to pay. We're having to do this and now we're renting a hotel and we're having to pay that. But you see, it's the generous, it's, it's, it's the goodness of God that's inside of me. I just want to keep going on and on and on and blessing others. I'm preaching to you this morning, right here, and then I'll preach to our congregation. Because in our congregation, we can't broadcast there right now. We're doing it this way. See, the love of money has weakened havoc, or I should say wrecked havoc in many, many people's lives. Businesses, communities, preachers, politics, politicians, I should say. And much of our culture in the world, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, give me, give me, give me. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You know, I was over the other day, see selfishness and greediness starts at such a small age. I was over with my two great-grandchildren the other day and one got a toy and when it did, the other one wanted it. And the other one started screaming, mine, 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 mine. Now it's just kids. It's just kids. But I want to show you selfishness, greediness, wanting starts at such, oh, they're beautiful. I love my two little great-granddaughters. They're so beautiful. If you could see them, you can't do anything. But I'm just talking about here it was with toys. Mine, mine. The other one would scream, mine, mine. And they knew it was the other ones. But again, see, that's what Christians are doing. We're acting like children. But greediness, selfishness, all this starts in infancy. So we have to get these roots out of us if we want the blessings of God to flow in our life. If you want to live a rich and fruitful life, You'll be a generous giver. I'm going to say it again because being a giver is not something you do. It's who you are. Now I know I said that earlier, but you may not have listened or heard it. I want to say it again. Being a giver is not what you do. It's who you are. I'm so grateful that my parents taught me to be a giver. They taught all of the children and every one of my brothers and sisters that's alive today and those that have, uh, I've got a, one that's gone on, two that's gone on to heaven, I've got another in a nursing home. Every one of them were givers. Every one of them were givers. They still are. And being a giver, being generous, is what's blessed us. You know, I'm pleased about my children. I have three children. One's in heaven, so we had four. But all of my children are tithers and givers. 
You know, that blesses me more than anything in the world to know how generous they are. Every one of them. They're tithers first, they're givers beyond. You know, I started giving money. Not much, because I didn't have much when I was just a kid. I started tithing when I was a kid. I started giving an offering when I was a kid. And I'm glad that spirit has stayed with me. Now I did it because I, I, I wanted, I wanted, you know, mama and daddy would tell me, when you tithe and you give, God will bless you. Well, God doesn't bless it just because we tithe and give, but that's a part of it. See, some people think, well, I'll get money, I'll get back. Well, that's all right to give and expect back, but you don't give it to get, you give to give. And when you give, then that generosity causes it to come back to you in many ways. See, I want to help people understand that giving is a heart issue, not a money issue. You know, I'm so grateful of the blessings that God has given us. I'm in a beautiful home. I drive a nice car. My wife and I wear nice clothes. But you know what? I want to show you something. This is a ledger that I've kept. This is a ledger that I've kept over the years. And we were preaching in Portsmouth, Ohio at a place called Prayer Temple, January the 1st and 2nd. Now listen, this was January the, the 1st and 2nd of 1966. Those two nights in Portsmouth, Ohio, we paid our gas, we paid our place, we, we paid our food, and in January the 1st and 2nd, we took in $18.58. We drove on to, after that we drove on to Kitchener, Ontario. And I was speaking in the International Gospel Tabernacle in Kitchener, Ontario on January the, the 7th. And they gave me $15 in my offering. We drove all the way from Portsmouth, Ohio to Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. And the Canadian dollar was worth, I think, 70 or 80 cents about then. And they gave us $15 that night. And then we drove from Kitchener to a, a, a church in Ingersoll, Ontario at People's Revival Center. I'll never forget this meeting. People's Revival Center, and we was there January the 8th and 9th, and the 8th and 9th, they gave us $35.49. $35.49. And then we preached there uh, almost a week from the 11th to the 16th, and our offerings for the week, was, we hit the jackpot. They were $96.13. And then that we had, a, we had two kids, uh, we, we had one child and, and my wife Sharon was pregnant with our second child and, and the 17th of January through the 22nd, whoa this was really big, we got $104.05 for the week. And then January the 23rd through the 30th, they gave us $82.85 and Throughout the, the month of January, we 
we took in in the ministry somewhere around $350, right around $350, right real close, $340 something. Now we paid all of our expenses out of that $340 something dollars, my wife and my child. So I see, I gave tithe out of that. I gave offerings to the church. Everywhere I preached, I gave the tithe. Well, I sent the tithe home to my pastor, but I also gave to the churches where we preached. And then, let me, I, I won't take time to go through the whole ledger, but we moved on from Ingersoll, Ontario, to a little town called Halliburton, Ontario. And we started February the 1st, and February the 1st, the offering that night was $2.65. $2.65. January the 2nd, it was $8.88. January the 3rd, boy, it got big, it was $21.72. January the 5th, $37.40, or $37.90. And then January the 6th, uh, in the morning service, we got $30.17. and the night service, we got $68.88. For the total for the week, the total for the week was $170.20. Now, don't judge a person by what they have. When you're going to look at them, they may be givers. And I look back, and I could go through this whole book and show you... Uh, well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me go just a little bit further down to, this is where we put our tent up in uh, um, Columbus, Ohio. Some, somewhere I have it here. Uh, I was reading it earlier. Uh, we preached a lot in Canada back then. Hold on just a moment. I'm just there. Now this was in Columbus, Mississippi. I rented... I had to rent a truck because I didn't have my own, but we rented a truck, took our tent, and I had a little evangelistic party that I thought, you know, God was really something. But our first night in Columbus, Mississippi, we put the tent up on the fairgrounds. The first night, the offering was $32.78. Second night, this was in August of that same year, $16.83. The third night, $28.93. Anyway, for the whole month of August, we were there um, one, two, three, four. Was there a little over four weeks, and so this was really big. The offerings was $1,540, and that was one of the biggest months we'd ever had, but that was my, one of my first tent meetings. But we had to pay the rent of the truck. We had to uh, pay hotel, I had a little staff, and, and we paid everybody out of this. So folks don't look at me and say, you know, something that's not kind. I got records here. I can go back and show you. Even in this time, we were generous. We were generous. We tithed and gave out of every bit of this that came in. We didn't hold it to ourselves. I, I want to just start trying to close this and say that the love of money is not only in the rich, but it's in the middle class, it's in the poor, it's in anybody that's wanting to hold on, that's greedy, that's got the wrong spirit. So you're making a choice of how you want to live your life. 
We should all be known for our generosity instead of our selfishness. I want to be known not for the sake of some people just putting flowers on me and giving me um, praise, but I want to be known as a lover, as a giver, as a person that's kind, a person that would help, a person that wouldn't turn the back. And I could go on and on with this message, but I feel like it's time to start bringing this to a close. You know, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus met a young man, the young man said to him, well, first of all, Jesus came to a man and, and he came to Jesus and said, what should I do to have eternal life? And Jesus told him what to do. And then he answered back and he said, all these in Matthew 19, 20 through 22, the young man said to him, all these things that I kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Now he said, Jesus had told him what to do. But he said, I've done all of these things, so what do I lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, let me explain this. I really don't believe that Jesus meant for him to go sell everything he had and give it to the poor. I know it says that, but I believe what Jesus was saying, your heart, your heart is not right. And if you'd be willing to give your possessions away, then you can have eternal life. And see, this is what I'm saying to you. We don't have to sell our houses and give our houses and our cars. And I mean, you know, sometimes it's, God speaks to people to do that. I know I've given cars away. I've given, I've given a truck and, and, and mobile home away. And I've given all kinds of things away. But you know, I did it because God put it in my heart to, not because I felt like I had to. So anytime we give, and I want you to understand this, anytime we give, we don't do it because someone's pressuring us to give. The Bible said don't, be, don't let someone pressure you to give. Just be generous, and you'll know when to give. You'll know how to give. And so I, I've taken you back a little bit of history, and I've just showed you just a little bit. Things got better as the years went on, but you know what? We still walk by faith. Just, just recently, a few years passed, my wife and I hardly got us any money at all. The, the load financially with the church and everything was so, so much. We hardly took any, any money on our own. And we had to walk by faith. We had our house payment, a car payment, we had everything. But you know what? God supernaturally supplied our need because we kept being generous. In the time, we didn't have anything. This young man walked away sorrowful because when he walked away sorrowful, because he wasn't wanting to give anything up. You know, the Bible says, what does it profit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? I just want to say to you, Jesus addressed this young man's real problem. His real problem was not that he had money, but that he loved money.
Now, let me go back again. When Jesus said, I'll sell all you have and give to the poor. See, Jesus was saying that because you love money. It's, it's okay that you got it, but you love it more than you're willing to follow me. Now, once again, God's not telling us to sell our houses and all of that. And that's what, what, what I'm saying. But his real problem that he loved money. So what was his, what was his problem? Money owned him. Money owned him. And that's the case today in many people. Money owns them. So they can't tithe and they can't give to God. Money owns many today, whether you have it or not. And we should own money instead of money owning us. I want to say it again in closing. We should own money instead of money owning us. And it's amazing how much money can have an effect upon us if it owns us. You know, I, I watch when wills are left. I've been involved in a lot of situations where Parents die and they leave money to the children. And I just watch the root of all evil, the love of money, which is the root of all evil, taking those families today. I know them today. They don't speak to each other. They don't talk to each other because of, sometimes it's just a little bit of money. Sometimes it's a lot of money, but sometimes it's just a little bit of money. And today these people are not speaking because the love of money was the root of all evil. See, I know people right now who are very poor, but money owns them. They're very poor, but money owns them. So Jesus exposed the man's real attitude. It was his money and his status. Having money, having money was more important to him than having eternal life. I want to say it again. God's not against you having money. But he doesn't want you to let money have you. You can have money. But when you have money, you're going to be a generous giver. You're going to sow it. And then God will let it flow through your hands. You know, when your hand's closed, you can't take nothing. You can't give anything. But when your hand is open, money can come back. And then when it comes in, you can, you can take it. But you don't keep it closed. You open it up again. Whatever's going on in your life, let's ask God right now to touch you and minister to you. Father, I pray that the people that have stayed with us, the people that are watching this at a later time, that they'll realize that I'm not trying to get money from them today. I'm only giving them an opportunity to have a generous life, to live a rich life. And when I say give an opportunity, by speaking the words of God. I'm only the messenger. I'm not the message. I gave you the message. I'm the messenger and I gave you the message. But Father, touch every heart. If they got a root of bitterness, unforgiveness, or whatever it may be, touch their hearts and minister to them today. Now, you know, we receive an offering in our services, and so I've had church here with you today, and I'm going to receive an offering. And if I'm your pastor, send your tithe in. Send your tithe in. You that has been with me and heard me speak about our ministry center, 
If you want to sow an extra seed of love, a generous seed from a generous heart to help us in our time of need, I believe God will bless you. I do believe God will bless you. And thank you for you that have sent something, you that have been good, you that have helped us. We haven't had enough to come in. You know, I, I, I preach to millions of people, but it's only a few that support. If all the church was generous as I preach today, the church would have, not our church, but the church in general, the body of Christ, we would have so much money instead of all these rich, greedy people that's trying to control our world. We would be able to buy our own satellites. We could have TV stations and things beyond. And I believe God's going to do that for us. But God wants you to become generous. Let your heart become generous. Let God love you. He, he does love you, but accept His love and then in turn, let His love flow through you and begin to real, live the rich life. Thank you for joining in with us today. Share this, you that is watching on Facebook, share this on your timeline, if you will, so other people can be blessed of the Lord. Thank you for letting me come to you and minister to you today. And I pray that the blessings of God will flow upon you abundantly.